I'm Natalie Heacock. And I'm Chelsea Brown. And this is Lumber Slingers. Each podcast, we will be bringing you relevant and useful industry information, including interviews with top lumber professionals and discussion of current events in the industry. Whether it be lumber grading, industry and market trends, or who's who in lumber, we hope to extend your current tally on industry knowledge. Hey there. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Lumber Slingers Holiday Edition. Holiday vibes. Yes. Um, how's it going over there in the Pacific Northwest? Rainy. Rainy and snow next week. When this is posted. Ooh, that's exciting. There could be snow. Five days, Ooh. I think it says. Mm-hmm. I hope so. There is a there's a substantial amount of snow where I'm at. I'm in Ontario and we got seven inches last night. So it wow. is snowy. So they don't shut down like Portland does. Oh no, they're everybody's out scooting and booting. <laughs> just us, just Portland, just, that just Oregon. Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. They were talking about how you have to get like three or four feet for a school to get canceled. You know, back when the world was regular. But you know, Oregon, if there's a flurry, yeah. you shut down. <laughs> Not even sticking, just a flurry. Yes. And we've learned experience to get home if there's a flurry because we're going to get stuck on the road for 12 hours if we don't. Crazy. What was that? Crazy. Snowmageddon. Is that last year? Yeah. Two years ago. Snowmageddon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm excited today because we haven't done one of these for a while. An episode of just chattily. No interviews today, but we're kind of wrapping up 2021. And when we came back, uh, with our first episode back after a couple year hiatus, we talked about lumber prices. And so we thought we'd maybe revisit that conversation today about what's going on with uh, lumber prices and just overall the uh, where the industry sits going into 2022 and what our perspectives are on that. Yes, I love that we started the year with it and we're going to end the year with it. Yeah. And we know, we don't know any more than we knew (laughs) last time, but it is what it is. It is what it is, but we've learned a lot from, you know, that the demand has sustained, although prices have, you know, corrected, they dipped, they went back up. Um, So who knows? We have no crystal ball. Nobody does. That's, that's the, the hard part. And there's just so many variables, which is crazy. There's there's a lot of things that lead into what's happening. So I thought it'd be fun if we talk about prices in general and also kind of what's going on in Canada with all of the variables that you're talking about, (laughs) such as um, the old growth deferral. We have the duty that just kicked back in. Um, We have the major flooding that affected you know people even getting their lumber across the border before that tariff went into effect um shutting down mills and transportation yeah yeah just when you think nothing you know again something I touched on last time we talked about prices was we talked about freight and what that looks like you know the flatbed availability hasn't really felt like it got any better. Now, if you look at the data on the DAT website, 
they say that there's for every one flatbed, there's 40 something loads that need to be shipped. So back in May of 2020, it was like 96 loads available to go per one flatbed. So I guess- Is that US data? That's US data. The DAT website updates daily on, you know, any kind of truck you want to look into, they have the data on what the availability looks like, what the availability ratio is, and um, and kind of what their variables are that they're facing in their industry, like like all of us. So it's an interesting website. It gives you a little bit more context of when you're having a heck of a time trying to find a truck. Um, I'm particularly having a hard time finding trucks to Denver, and come to find out there's a, a, a boycott going on right now of trucks going to Colorado at all because there was a driver that there was this really bad accident that happened. It was actually a lumber truck carrying lumber, long distance flatbed. And he was in the Denver area and his brakes went out and he ended up crashing into an already, there was an already stopped vehicle for another accident. So it was secondary to the first accident and there was a semi on the side of the road. So he couldn't veer to the side or without hitting that semi. So he ended up smashing into the car in front of him. And I can't, I don't know which car had the people, but there was four people that were killed um, from this accident. And then his truck and caught on fire and engulfed. Oh my gosh. Anyway, it was just all this terrible sequence of events happened with this wreck. And they sentenced him a few days ago to 110 years in prison. <gasps> and so dry like all these drivers are having a, a boycott basically of driving to Denver, which I didn't know until, you know, Jaria was like my wonderful partner that helps me with my freight. She was just like, this is what's happening. This is why. So you literally have to keep your ear to the ground for everything. I mean, it's crazy. Things change so fast, politically news events. And it's like, you have to stay apprised to everything because it changes so quickly. It does. And it's like, I told, I, she said the drivers are boycotting Denver. I know people don't like going to Denver anyway. It's hard to get return loads or, you know, to go come back to the Pacific Northwest or maybe go somewhere else. I, people describe it like a black hole. I've always heard that, but I also, um, just, I didn't know anything about this boycott or people protesting, you know, actually driving to Colorado because of this reason. So yeah, you have to work with good people. I got great help over here with Jaria. She's very like up to date on all that stuff. So she helps me keep up speed with all that. But wow. Anyway, so there's that. That's one thing, obviously, that's going to make lumber prices go up. Um, if your truck costs you $8,000 to go somewhere rather than mm-hmm. 3,500, you were used to paying. Um, and then the tariff, what was the tariff amount? 17 point, 17.9, yeah. 17.9 or 17.3. Yep. Was back like up, the, back up, baby. Week after Thanksgiving that went into effect and recorded into the registrar. So that, that affects lumber pricing as well. If you're getting your, your fiber from Canada, um, mm-hmm. what else? Oh, what else? Demand. Demand, demand spiked again. 
my mm-hmm. friend, a lot of Doug for timber, were saying that they were having record months again in November and December, and which is, you know, this is the time of year people slow down and people, you know, take a couple weeks off and it doesn't seem like that happened this year again. Um, yeah. Cause last year, and I think we might've talked about this. We were talking about how generally the winter you slow down a little bit. Everyone has a time to catch up, get your inventories back and in, back in line with what they should be last year. We weren't able to do that. And now here we are in December and we're still scrambling. So yeah. the home building for the spring is going to be really interesting unless interest rates go up, in which case that might damper some of the home starts. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about what that looks like going into 2022, because by all means right now, it's looking like demand is going to be strong with the housing starts and the demand for houses and interest rates are making it look very attractive. Even though lumber prices have gone up, it's still affordable to buy a house um, somewhat um, because the money is cheaper. So what do you think just from like your own perspective on the finance side with interest rates? What do you think the Fed's going to do? What are they talking about? Last I heard, they said three planned interest rate hikes in 2022. Um, Three quarter three quarter percentage point rate increases, but I don't know because they've said that before and then they didn't do it. So Mm. I don't know, three years ago, I would have a hundred percent believed it, but now I think it all just depends on what happens with inflation. So part of that is all these supply, supply constraints, shipping all the ports. I mean, (laughs) there's a lot of things that could affect it. So Maybe we'll have three, but even if we have three next year, they're not going to be, you know, we're not going to go from two and a half, three percent to eight percent. I I couldn't right. imagine we would do that next year. So I think, you know, depending on what generation you're from and what you're comfortable with, with interest rates, like, right, my parents and maybe your parents too have said when they were buying houses back when they were, you know, in their twenties, I think they were talking like, they were used to like 14%. Right. That yeah, was standard. 14%. Yeah. And now I'm like, um, I'm not going to pay more than 3% for my home loan. So, right. And that was the new normal back after like, and only really when I started paying attention was when I was in it, but you know, 2011, 2012, they were like historically low. Um, but beforehand, I don't know what they were. I just wasn't paying attention at that time in my life because I knew I couldn't afford it. But I yeah. don't sixes was it sevens? Was that normal to expect you're going to pay eight percent? Right. That? So it's interesting. Another thing that I had read that I thought was really interesting was, um, you know, home prices have gone up so significantly that even if home starts slow down people have so much more equity in their homes now that they're going to pull equity out to do remodels. So maybe home starts slow down, but there's more remodels happening. Although you would have to refinance in which case you would, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm alone in this, but I would never refinance to get a higher interest rate. Right. You know? Like just some people might, out. maybe you want right. a new kitchen that bad. And it might add that much equity into their house on the flip side when they sell it, I guess. Right. If people are doing that, if they're pulling money out to do these remodels and I, 
it's going to be another 2020 people are and you know the world has shifted so much with working from home people want to be comfortable in their house and they're in their mm-hmm. so you know you want your office to be a comfortable space or you need an office you know you right need- or you need an office because you're sick of working at your kitchen table with your kids running <laughs> right. around yeah right uh, coming from someone who did home remodels all year this year um it was the best decision we made but yeah but i would i do it for a higher interest rate Ugh, i don't know right yeah, so we'll see i mean on that right interest rates were low and the you you i feel like we're a little ahead of the curve before demand got terrible on mm-hmm. things except i know for- and i know a place to get wood so yeah exactly <laughs> Very helpful to have that. <laughs> I know, right? I think the questions I've gotten most, probably you have too, from people who aren't uh, in the industry is, what are lumber prices going to do? And can you sell me five pieces of wood? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, I need eight pieces of this and four pieces of that. Yeah. But yeah, I do get that question a lot. Like what, what's happening with lumber prices? Are they back to normal? And my answer is always that they are... They had leveled out for a while. I think they were at the new normal, you know, mm-hmm. we're going off of just a commodity two by four, two by six, which is the indicator we all use in the industry. We're talking, you know, it was, it was pretty level at 800 for a while, dipped down to 400, got lower than that. And now we're back up over a thousand. Yeah. I was looking at the, um, futures this morning, which like you said, are based off of two by four commodity, I think eight to eight to 20 feet. And, um, at this moment in time, they're $1,015 right now. Crazy. And then, but I did, I saw a really neat, uh, a really neat graph that the wall street journal put out. If, if anyone's really interested, you should read this article from the wall street journal called sky high lumber prices are back it really lays out a lot of this, but, um, the high, the record high, I believe that was in the spring was over 1600. So we're not back there, but like you said, we dipped down to almost 400 and now we're back up to a thousand. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, when we got back down into the four hundreds, I was thinking, well, it's kind of scary because some of us took positions on higher price inventory. And if you still had that sitting in your inventory, like for, for a personal example would be, I bought some uh, fur when the market was high. Uh, it wasn't at its peak, but it was pretty high, July, August, and I processed it. And it took, you know, eight weeks to process, which is drying and cutting and all that. And so when I'm ready to sell it, and the market dipped, you know, mm-hmm. you're sitting on this wood that you took a position on because things had hadn't stopped. And it was like, you just need to have wood. Right. So I think a lot of us are going to be, if anybody's holding on to inventory that was higher price before the dip, then at least we're going to be able to, you know, somewhat recover some dollars on that, which is, yeah. but at the same time, you know, how comfortable can you get at these prices? Right. And when everything's changing so significantly, another thing I, I saw somewhere, maybe we talked about it. I can't remember where I heard this, but, um, and I've actually seen it as I've been doing some tours of mills, uh, over the past couple of weeks, but because mills made money this year, 
they are taking that money and they're reinvesting it in their mill, which means they're shutting down for two to four weeks at a time to put in some upgrades, which rightfully so, I mean, they need to do some of these mills that you tour. You're like, have you touched this mill since, you know, it was created and And they have to address the labor issues that they're facing where they don't have enough hands to do the work. So a lot of, there's a lot of automation. The reinvestment is going into automating their processes so that they don't have to rely on somebody showing up to work. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, long-term should help stability with prices. If you don't have to rely on, you know, you need, let's just say 20 people for a shift by people calling sick, you can't run your shift. So in the future, with this automation, that won't be an issue, hopefully. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, everything's changing fast. The world is changing fast. So we just have to, like you said, something I've learned being in this industry, I think there's probably most everybody can relate to this, no matter what industry you're in, but you have to be really engaged with what's happening in the world and in your industry alone, you know, because if you're not adapting to what's happening, then you might not, you might not last. You could blink your eye and something changes fast, you know, such as prices and availability. And, you know, if you're not on the ball, I think that's probably one of the most stressful parts of our job is you, you really have to be on the ball. And, and I think there's a lot of burnout from that (laughs) right Mm -hmm. now, especially at the end of the year, it's just, you know, you really have to stay on top of it. Right. I think, people are, like you said, burnt out. They're getting, they're getting to that point of like, we're running and running and running and keeping up and keeping up. And then at what point do you just, you just kind of say, you can't keep up and you'll just do it when you can do it. (laughs) Yeah. And then you lose because there's all those people that aren't burnt burnt out and they've got the, (laughs) (laughs) that's the scary part. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'm just going to go be a barista. (laughs) That sounds nice. Free coffee every day. Yeah, I know. It doesn't sound half bad. I would probably eat too many croissants, but such is life. Such is life. You'd be happy. I know you, I'm, I know you and I are on video and we are not on video on our podcast, but I keep looking outside cause it's snowing again. I just wonder if we're going to get another five inches today. Oh my gosh. Um, anyway, to keep on, to keep on track here. Cause I know we don't have very much time left. Um, should we talk a little bit about that, the update on the old growth deferral that's happening in BC? Yes. The old growth deferral. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, and I don't know if you know the answer, but was that sparked because of the protests or do you think that was happening at the same time? Do you know? Um, I don't know for a fact, but I, my personal opinion based off of conversations I've had is I thought it had to do with that protest because it got so much media attention. Um, all because of that one viral. Yeah. The one guy that was like standing in the road or something. I don't even know. I, it was really like, it was, it was, he went viral on social media. So I think that prompted now, obviously it's not coming out of nowhere, right? If, if there are people that feel a certain way that agree with him, then they are going to absolutely like jump on board. And that could have included, I'm, you know, I'm not an expert on this, but there's, I think there's solutions, but also there's the whole narrative that you're cutting down these old trees, you terrible people all to make a profit. Right. And that's just not what it is. Okay. 
there was two viral photos. There was one that was the one you're talking about. And then there was that second one. Remember we saw it, it was a log truck, a full-size log truck carrying one log because mm-hmm. that, and that coupled with the, with the Fairy Creek protests, I think was yes. everything. Yes. That, Remember that picture? Actually, I think I saw that photo. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know we don't probably want to get into like, no, we don't want to get carbon credits and, you know, CO2 and old growth. Right. Right. Well, you know, a lot of times I've seen a lot of these logs, really old growth logs get, um, logged in or, um, cut on a head rig before. And I can't say this for everything, but most of them are rotting from the inside out. You know, a lot of that you cut open and you can't use it. It's rotting. It's when they get to a certain age, they don't, they don't last forever. Trees don't last forever. Right. Oh, and at a certain point, they no longer sequester CO2. So, right. Once they're dying, they're actually more of a negative impact. So I think it's just the facts. You have to have the facts. And then I think there has to be collaboration on both sides because no, we don't want to clear cut all the trees. My gosh, we love the trees. We want them to be growing and sustaining and all that. So, you know, when I want them to be well managed, I can understand the sentimental value of a really big tree that's been there for 300, 400, 500 years. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just think we all need to have our facts straight. And some of these viral social media I don't know what you call a movements don't always have the facts. They have the shock factor and people, they hang on to the shock factor and they don't look into the facts. Right. And they all were raised off of Fern Gully. Off of what? (laughs) Fern Gully. Have you seen that movie? No. (laughs) What? (laughs) Please explain. Is a childhood it's a cartoon. It was a movie I used to watch all the time. And it's a movie about clear cutting. And it's like, from a child's perspective, it's the most devastating thing. Like the animals are sad and the little fairies in the forest. And it's, you know, you don't even, obviously I had no, I didn't put it together until, I don't know, a couple of years ago. I was like, is this propaganda? Yeah. Right. I don't even, I need to do some research on that movie. I can't believe you haven't seen it. You have No, I haven't it. seen it. I'll have to check it out now. Cause now I'm curious. <laughs> I wonder when it came out and I wonder who, um, who was the producer, the last rainforest Fern Gully, the last rainforest is a 1990 oh yeah. animated musical family film. Well, we have seen examples of where rainforests go extinct because there's no forestry happening. It's like you are you are cutting all the trees down and you're not replanting them. And that happened throughout history, especially in, you know, like Southern regions, right. Up in the Easter Island, they cut all the trees off and then they basically had no way to sustain life anymore. Cause they cut all the trees and they didn't replant and they had no idea what they were doing. They were cutting all the trees down to actually move those stone heads down to like set them up. And they were using them to roll the stone. Oh, they cut down like almost all the trees. This is my history coming back. (laughs) Yes. I think it's important to point out that we don't agree with, you know, that kind of, um, logging or, or no, absolutely not. I would never know that would, that would be horrendous to our world. We don't need that, but Mm -hmm. 
way where you can make it a win-win for everybody. Right. Sustainable forest practices. Right. And that's why, you know, there's been governing boards that come out such as FSC, um, PEFC, you know, people want to make sure their wood is comes from a sustainable, responsible resource. Right. Renewable, which is renewable. The biggest part yes. So mm-hmm. the old growth deferral update came from the BC government on, um, it was last week. It was on the 16th, I think. And basically the, the, uh, spark notes from that update <laughs> spark notes. I haven't heard that word in a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Going back to college. <laughs> They, uh, they basically had asked these First Nations groups to um, respond about what they want, right? And so I guess they've received responses from 161 out of 204 First Nations. And First Nations is requesting more time on what the, these parameters look like for the deferral. Um, Three quarters of the respondents indicated that they require more time to decide on deferrals or if they wish to continue to engage with the government. Um, there's 12.69 million in funding available to support the First Nations in these engagements and developing a new approach to managing old growth forests. 19 million is available in new funding for the remainder of 2021 and 2022 to provide enhanced supports to eligible workers, contractors, and communities. Um, so like helping them with uh, employment, the forestry employment program to provide short-term employment opportunities for impacted contractors and their employees, um, community transition, rapid response teams to provide on-the-ground economic development and community support services, and also bridging to retirement. So they set aside some funds for eligible workers and contractors over the age of 55 to transition to retirement helping open up jobs for younger workers. So there's this update, which we can post the link on our notes for, um, so people can read it because it's pretty lengthy. And that's, like I said, just the spark notes, but there's a lot going on. And I guess the overall, um, the overall takeaway I have is no decision has been made yet. The First Nations need more time to decide what exactly they want and come together if they can work with the government. Um, Now I know there's some, companies can for put out a press release basically urging the BC government to develop a plan that everybody can be collaborative, you know, with not with the, their indigenous partners, with the mills, with the forest products community, um, and just to have some decision basically used off of the facts and and the transparent knowledge that we have based off of what this um, basically old growth logging has done to these communities and if Uh the impact really has been. Um, And then they're asking, Panfor is also asking that the process is more collaborative and including indigenous leaders, labor leaders, forest professionals and communities to develop the old growth plan. So basically the, you know, the lumber industry is saying, yes, we agree. There's more we can do. We want to work both with the government and with the indigenous communities, but we want to have a voice in that, which I think that's very important because if there, if these deferrals happen, it, it will be devastating to the, the industry in BC. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. I just, as everyone needs to work together. We just need yeah, to, I know we all need to like hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Yeah. I was just going to say Kumbaya, <laughs> but it's true. You need to have the voices from everybody supported and included. Um, right. Well, I know that there's a lot of, of our companies that we work with that work with these indigenous communities and first nations communities. Um, I can't speak for every company, but I do know that there is a, a level of understanding there and we can only grow on that and get better. And, and I think that it could be a win-win for everybody. I mean, these communities could also, and do also can, you know, that's their economy. That's how they make their money. It's their bread and butter. And so mm-hmm. keep that going. Let's make it better for everybody. Right. Agreed. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, like we said, we don't have a crystal ball, but there's a lot of things going on. Yeah, like I think trucking, deferrals, tariffs, interest rates, inflation. inflation. Yeah. <laughs> things to things to look for for next year are interest rates, I think, that are gonna have the biggest impact. Interest rates and inflation in supply and demand, which kind of, they all go together. So obviously supply and demand incorporates so many different factors and we've touched on, you know, a handful of them, but not all of them, but the more, more, I think easy to follow and concrete thing will be interest rate hikes and to see where that heads. I think that will affect people's confidence also. Like Mm -hmm. you're, so we just have to stay on it and, and, and we'll see what happens. Hopefully, I mean, business is good. So we want to keep it that way. And um, hopefully maybe it's just a little less stressful next year for everybody that we can hope. I guess that's my Christmas present request, but who knows if, who knows if that'll happen. Yeah. We'll, we'll check back in and do a pricing update. I don't know when next, but yeah, maybe we'll get somebody on here that has a, some experience in like what's happened this year and maybe some of our contacts or our network would be able to speak on lumber prices and something, maybe there's something we're missing that we're not even looking at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, yeah, on that know. note, happy holidays. Yes. Happy holidays to you. It's been a good, uh, good 2021. We got back on track and we've got some exciting things planned for 2022 and, and what we, who we want to bring on and interview. So I think I'm excited. Excited to get the ball rolling on that. Yep. And as usual, if you have any uh, requests or you want to be on our podcast, let us know. Fitch into the schedule. Yeah. (laughs) We got a little lineup right now. We got to get some, get some scheduling done. Yep. Well, (laughs) we're tired, aren't we? (laughs) Shall we wrap it? Go celebrate Christmas and New Year's. Very excited. Happy holidays, everybody. And we can't wait for next year. It's going to be exciting. See you in 2022.